Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And today, we've got a special episode for you folks. We're doing a sort of non-horror episode, though it does have some horror elements, and we will be discussing Summer Wars. I'm Mitch. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Justine. Yes. So today, we actually have a special guest co-host, and we have Justine with us today. Hi. <laughs> and uh, we actually, uh, Justine and I just finished... Uh, watching the summer wars and it's we decided we wanted to do a non-horror episode for this one because we hadn't done one in a while i think the last one was the fifth element uh yeah it was our sci-fi one and then the yeah. one before that was our chasing amy and oh Harry that's right and sally yeah that was the other ones yeah um mitch you're the one who actually introduced me to this film how did you first hear about this one so i um am part of a club over at miracosta yeah for a little bit and uh, we would do movie nights sometimes and one of the movies that was brought to us by a member of the club was summer wars mm-hmm. i'd never heard of it before i was like what the fuck is this and he said it's an animu and i was like <laughs> animu all right <laughs> i was like okay man that sounds that sounds cool and then we watched it and i was blown away Right. No, it's really good. It's yeah. a, it's an animated film or an anime, and it's definitely one a really well-made one. I felt like what you had mentioned earlier, uh, kind of off the microphone, was that it's like Miyazaki-level quality. Yes. And it is very good. Agreed. Mm. It has sort of the uh, kind of mystical element that Miyazaki brings, you know? Like, in a sense, we're kind of dealing with a mystical creature, this, this AI business. Right. <laughs> and so the, the main portion of the film focuses on this virtual sort of i don't know what to call it it's like a utility it, kind of yeah it's, program it, it's like a virtual world that yeah it, it's sort of like a it, it's it's definitely a metaphor for social media yeah in a way and like it's like a virtual world everyone can log into from their cell phones essentially yeah. cell phones and, computers uh it looked like their ds yeah <laughs> at but, some uh, point. yeah exactly yeah. things like this and it, it came out in 2009 too yeah. so that that's very relevant i was actually surprised by that the way everything was portrayed it seemed like it was made like maybe a year or two ago mm-hmm. yeah i think they were half guessing what some electronics would do and then they were also showing the flip phones that existed during that current time yeah but they definitely went really far into like what would social media mean so it's interesting because i think in 2009 it wasn't like crazy big mm-hmm. it was just starting to get into like what are the real effects of a larger social media co- like platform like facebook yeah. i mean it it displays the risks as yeah. well as the benefits of having it there and um, the movie opens up really well by introducing you to oz which yeah. is the name of this virtual world that they have mm-hmm. which is a good reference the mm-hmm. land of oz right yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> it's a straight reference to the wizard of oz which is like uh i feel like other uh animes and or uh short films have used oz as like a location so it's like it wouldn't be the first time somebody used that naming um and there was a lot of like uh english and or like american titles for some of these things mm-hmm. and so it's interesting to see that dropped in yeah, because it's a it's going on a global scale because so yeah. ev- everyone hooks into oz and yeah it, the movie even explains it at least the narrator for oz that explains what the program is and everything right. explains that Oh, file your taxes through us. If you need to do business meetings, hook yourself up yeah, here. Yeah, it handles a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, and it, it even like they like you find out later that even hospitals were using this yeah. and things like this, and they everybody relied on it. They they hooked up. Go ahead. 
apparently even the military relied on it. Yep. So that's the scary part. Mm-hmm. Well, the way they put it was that the military kind of just let it loose and like didn't know what it was going to do. Right. And just used everyone's personal information as like a testing ground, which is not too far off from what happens with our current government. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh, wow. And of course, it was the U.S. government in, in the film. Yeah, of course. It's always, of course. It's always the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, from what I saw, it handled uh, handled business and finances. So you could have like your personal accounts on there. It could have like stock trading, I guess. And then you could have business meetings on there as well as just being able to go on to it and talk to other people. But the main parts of it was that it was also connected to like their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So if like any uh, pipes that had the water or any alarms that could go off, especially in regards to the main characters, like the grandma was on like an alarm system because she had a weak heart, I guess. Yeah. They say exactly what disease it is that she had. And I guess because that system had gone offline, she wasn't able or yeah, the doctor wasn't the doctor notified. Was able to, yeah. He wasn't notified of that. And so that kind of happened. It was a way to show what would happen on a much wider scale yeah. with just the family. But I mean, besides that though, I'm just really talking about like how big it was and every, how well connected yeah. and it definitely has a huge impact whenever, if anything happened to it. And it really just shows the gravity that our technology holds in our lives. Yeah. So how does it start? Like, where do we get, so well, we really get introduced to like one main family. Well, we're start off by being introduced to Kenji. Yeah, Kenji uh, Koiso and uh, his buddy, his, his buddy um, whose name I is, escapes me at the moment. But he, they're basically two teenagers, and they yeah. work for Oz. They're basically yeah. like there to like find bugs. They're, and they're... maintenance coders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He even mentions at some point that it's like it's not really a big deal. Like they have so many of us working for them, mm-hmm. and so there's like it's fine. They have their own little avatars on there too, so yeah. they're able to like customize however they look. So there really is like a huge variety of yeah. avatars when you look at it. They didn't like recycle anything, as far mm-hmm. as I could see. No, <laughs> no, they have like they had so many options. Like make your avatar whatever yeah. you want. We have like a billion different options for you. Um, I do feel like it was kind of quick how the story started. Mm-hmm. You really didn't waste any time to get to the the girl. I can't remember her name, um, but she she Natsuki showed, that she shows up and is like, I need somebody's help. I need to like hire somebody for a job and doesn't explain anything about yeah. it. <laughs> and then of course, because they're both like uh, they're obsessed with her. Or they're like have a crush on her. They're like, I'll do it. Like I'll do it. Yeah. And so they both kind of argue over who's going to do it. Him and his buddy. Um, but eventually it is uh, Kenji. I, yeah, it's Kenji. And he goes along with her and uh, you sort of find out like what's going on, but it's still confusing because he's kind of just carrying her bags yeah. <laughs> over to where they're at. And uh, then he's brought to like this huge, like her huge family yeah, and their huge estate that they have. Yeah, because, their house is incredible. Yeah. First of all. It's ba- it's basically like your old, like old style, like you'd expect like the emperor of Japan to live there. It's like literally a <laughs> castle. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Very traditional style home that they have. And it's all open from, I guess, uh, in most cases, all of the panels were removed from the outside part of the house. Mm-hmm. So you could just walk in and out of their house really easily. Um, but she kind of surprises him because as soon as they get there, they meet the grandmother who's like the main matriarch of the family and a badass. Very bad. Yeah. She's yeah. awesome. Uh, everybody respects her and she became like the head of the household and they were all cool with that. And so, uh, they go and meet or Kenji goes and meets the grandma along with the girl that's brought him there. And she just surprises both of them by saying that he is her fiance. 
Yeah. Which is so like <laughs> out of the blue. I was not expecting that. And he he's just like, um Sh- yeah, sure. <laughs> I expected it. Yeah. Really? I don't know. It seems like something that would happen in that kind of situation. You know, the pretty girl shows up, oh, invites I see. the geeky dude out to the countryside to right. meet her family. And mm, I don't know. I feel like it was kind of set up. <laughs> like, in it, like she had set it up herself on purpose with him, or like it, like was, it was just expected, just in the given the circumstances oh, of the gotcha. two of them. Yeah, that's true. They did follow some of the tropes when you uh, include two characters like that, especially in regards to like, oh, can you do this for me? And he's like, I'll do like anything. Yeah. Literally anything, like fake being someone's fiance. And, and he then, did. He went along with it. Right. And then saving a lot of people from losing their lives, essentially. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. For like the, it just happened to be that he was uh, one of the really smart kids who's going to be in the math Olympics. Mm-hmm. But he ended up not representing Japan, and it was, like, the first runner-up. Yeah. So he was disappointed from that. And he mentions that, like, closer to the beginning of the film. But it also gives you a good impression of, oh, this kid is really smart. And he knows how to code, apparently, and be able to get past certain blocks and firewalls and things like that. Mm-hmm. Which is important later for the film. Yes. Very much so important. <laughs> but um. but so so we get introduced to Oz and, like, sort of what it is. And how it's connected, but it, it sort of gets put to the side at first. It's sort of just like, here's this, you need to know this, but it'll be relevant later. And we start getting a better idea of just how well connected it is because of how people handle their lives basically on it. And they were definitely commenting on how our social media kind of exists with us today, yeah. where most people probably couldn't get by without that internet connection or with the connection to the social media. And so what did you guys make of that? Like, do you think they were predicting some things in 2009 or do you think it was an effect that was already happening? Well, I think we were really headed in that direction anyways. I mean, ever since really the turn of the millennia, yeah, there's kind of been this fixation on the newest technology advancing everything and things have become increasingly more advanced through the years. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of tech out there that we can't even fathom, mm. you know. Speaking to Murr, who is a little bit, uh, younger than than us as well. He's we've probably got close to about ten years on him almost. Is he really? Yeah. Oh wow. He's well, yeah. We've probably he's got my age. So yeah. I don't have that many years. Okay. Well, it's it's close to that much, but there's there's <laughs> a, there's a year gap, and seeing how um how he views it. So I've discussed with him a few times about you know Instagram and things yeah. like that, and he's like, that's how you can get work. That's how you can do a whole. That's how you get connections with people. Is using. True. Instagram yeah. as a reason, as well as Facebook, as well as, mm. you know, I don't know about Twitter really so much, but I'm sure no, you Twitter's could. Twitter's pretty poppin' too. Yeah, you can do that as well. Twitter has definitely come up as one of the, like, more important connections to have and or to have a following on. I mean, yeah. that's the president's main medium of communicating with us, apparently. <sighs> yeah, but he's a jackass. Someone take <laughs> his Twitter away, please. I'm surprised Twitter hasn't shut him down, to be honest. Honestly. You know. well, but I think it brings too much attention to them so that they, like, they're like, we're not going to shut down the most, like, profitable fucking account on here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, once we get, once we, once he's introduced to this family, introduced as the fiance and whatnot, yeah. He gets a message from his phone in the evening. Yeah. And it's this strange, like, stack of numbers. And he figures that it's some sort of code because right. he's a math nut. He <sighs> loves it. So he instantly cracks the code after after some time. Yeah, but, I'm guessing just overnight because yeah. it shows, like, the transition to the morning time. Mm-hmm. He takes his time. He cracks it. And then um, this strange little, like, demon-looking creature jumps on. And he can't log into his avatar after this. And then it starts happening to a lot of people. Yeah. 
they find out that there was a specific artificial intelligence that asked, I guess, 50 or so people to try to crack this code and then used all of their answers, stole their accounts, and then broke into Oz and then was starting to steal accounts that way. And uh, uh, Kenji is framed for this at first. Yeah. So the media, mm-hmm. so the media, the news media is blown <laughs> they up found over him so it. so quick. Yeah, they put like that really like dorky censored picture of him where it's just his face with like black over his eyes and it's you know that it's him black bar over yeah. his eyes yeah. it's like oh i wonder who that is yeah <laughs> and then that's when the family ends up finding out that he's not actually who um who uh she's saying that he is right yeah they find out that she was in fact lying and that this is not her fiance, but is just somebody that she brought. But she does explain why she asked him to do that mm-hmm. because she was, she was fearful that her grandmother would die soon and that she would never get to meet somebody that she was going to be married to. And so would prefer to just kind of fake it for her birthday. And then afterwards she's like, Oh, like we broke up later sometime. Yeah. Unfortunately, the grandma does die, <laughs> but yeah. it's like, it's sort of as a result of the artificial intelligence breaking into into Oz because one of the sons had a monitor on her and it was not able to be notified because the Oz system was down. Yep. And so it's kind of like uh, you you find out that it ended up being way more catastrophic for their family and then possibly others, which they don't really focus on. But I think it's just because they didn't want to make them seem unimportant. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say that all of the, the clips of all the fights that are in Oz and whatnot yeah. are super pretty looking. Like, they really did a good job on the animation on this side, as well as oh, outside yeah. of Oz, too. Everything is really colorful. It's a really beautiful movie. You have giant whale guardians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah. that it was a whale guardian. I don't yeah. know why I like that so much, but it was just a blue and pink whale guardian. I don't know. I feel like whales, like it's hard to have a whale and be upset about a whale. You know, they're just <laughs> happy creatures unless you're like, what is it, Captain Ahab? Yeah, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> By hell's heart, I stab at thee. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that reference. I wonder if maybe people think about that too sometimes, where they're like, is it pulled from this story? Is it pulled from something else? And I feel like this movie pulled from a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Like even the the artificial intelligence looked like some sort of deity. And yeah. like you couldn't quite place it into something, but it was definitely giving that illusion with like the shining sun that come in like shows up behind it it kind of reminded me of something like a like a hindu god like in the pictures yeah. that i've seen of them oh yeah that's true actually yeah, it de- definitely has that i think that's from, a good like, the placement body for shape, it the head shape the the mandala that was behind him once he started to yeah. level up in power oh that's yeah. the that's the official term i was looking for mandala yeah mm. i couldn't think of what it was but it, that's usually associated with like how much power they have right a, in a sense yeah, yeah. but I guess it kind of made sense. They're trying to represent this AI as basically a god. Like, yeah. it became god of the internet, which in a <laughs> sense, the internet is so intertwined with our reality that he kind of became god of the world. I know? think I think there's a quote in the movie as well. It was like, Kenny, did you break the internet? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. references like that. <laughs> he calls him and he's like, please tell me you didn't break the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, I knew it wasn't you. You're not, like, tough enough for that kind of stuff. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, Dang. dude. His he friends just called being... him a dweeb. Yeah, his yeah. friends being mean as but he's still like helping him in some ways so it was pretty funny to see that he he gives him this little avatar to go see what's going on it's a squirrel (laughs) yeah it's this cute little squirrel like little yellow squirrel and it walks in there and then it calls out it's just his avatar with a really like sinister smile on it Mm -hmm. and then um that's when they call in because they find out that one of the kids in the big family yeah 
is who's like 13 years old apparently yeah is like like the top fighter in like the fighting in ring oz. In, in oz <laughs> yeah, yeah. Badass little bunny yeah, rabbit yeah. looking thing. King Cosma is his yeah. name. I wonder if that's a reference to anything. I did not look up Cosma. It, it could be, but yeah. And um, King Cosma is basically just this like super jacked rabbit. Uh, I mean, he's thin, he's pretty. Uh, yeah, you are. All but right, he's all right. very fast. He, he's fast and, he, and quick. He knows. Yeah. It was that he knows a specific martial art. Um, there is a baseball player named Pete Cosma. And they had oh, the baseball game that was going yeah. on throughout the entire movie. Yeah, that they're always watching. That's like one of the things they're doing is they're watching one of their. Yeah. You really get a sense of how tight knit this family is because even during this crisis, they're watching their like one of their family members play baseball. Yeah, one of the sons is on the baseball team, and mm-hmm. so they're hoping that they're going to win this championship. Mm-hmm. Um, that's man, that's probably not by mistake then to no. name it after Cosmic because they are like such big baseball fans. But also, it was cool because. Apparently, that kid who was the like the main player behind King Cosma learned what was it Shaolin Kung Fu from their grandfather. Oh no, that was Tai Chi. Was it? They they said something. Well, what he was practicing in the it garden like for multiple like scenes was I I'm sure he taught him Tai Chi, but I don't remember what the movement style he yeah. used to fight was actually. But yeah, I imagine Shaolin sounds about right. The one of the dynamic. aunts says it mm. when when uh, they're asking about the kid. And like, well, like, well, how did they end up learning that kind of stuff? But it's really brief. It's like a throwaway line. Mm. So, so I was like, oh, they really should have mentioned that more. But they are that they, they are like the top fighter, yeah. Like in the in Oz, and mm-hmm. so when they show up to fight this love AI, machine, yeah. Oh, that's love right, machine. Yeah, love machine. When they show up to fight, yeah, the AI is called Love Machine. That's funny. And basically, it it plows what the the little distorted <laughs> version of uh, of uh, Kenji's avatar in the face and then the avatar starts eating other accounts and then becomes the like hindu looking god that we were just discussing and then that's when shit gets real at that point oh yeah <laughs> starts messing up everyone's gps's to start to well start. i don't know like i felt like the only reason it decided to do something was because it got challenged but maybe that was just me I felt like it was kind of hanging out in there at first and not really doing anything. But then as soon as it got challenged and uh, beat that person, it then started to collect information and then start fucking with their systems. Well, yeah, the one dude explained that that was its whole program, basically, was to be a learning machine. Right. You know, to constantly be collecting data. And what's the best way to learn but to be challenged by something and to overcome it, you know? That's essentially right. what learning is. So I wonder then if it was sort of a weird chain reaction that sort of set that off where it was learning, oh, well, if I want to be the one in charge, I got to be the best at everything. And then it started collecting information that way. Right. And or taking apart their infrastructure and seeing like how it all worked, I guess. I feel like in a way it was sort of like an experiment to him. Like, right. Let me learn what happens if I mess with the systems. Like how, how will the humans react to this? Well, they do mention later on that the AI program was not being vindictive or anything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't doing it because it hated humans or like because it was trying to get a certain result. It's just because it was part of its programming. Yeah. Um, eventually, um, I think this is a little earlier on the film. You're introduced to the uncle. That shows up, and he went to like he went to like MIT. Yeah, he went to the like version of MIT in Japan. I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, and so you find out that he is actually the one who made the artificial intelligence. Yes. I don't think he made it until he went to the U.S. Though. 
uh yeah he he ended up well what he did was he sold a piece of property that belonged to the grandmother took the money from that and then went to the united states where that money funded his research into making the artificial intelligence. And this basically makes him an outcast to the family. Yeah. Like, none of them are a fan of him. He except was gone for, for, like, ten years. Yeah, except for Natsuki. Natsuki's the only one that seems to be even remotely fond of him. They sort of got at the idea that she may have been, like, having a crush on him. <laughs> but it, was, it wasn't, like, fully fleshed out because yeah. it's, like somewhat of like their family members basically even though they're not like blood related because he ended up being adopted Mm -hmm. so that was the thing and then that was sort of the fake story that she gave yeah to kenji when when they came in like his basically what that guy was all about she gave that story over to kenji and then they're like oh and they figure it out later in the film embarrassing yeah they embarrassed the hell out of her oh, yeah. roasted her it was funny too because in that scene you see him walking in the background and he like pauses to eavesdrop and honestly yeah. same same <laughs> yeah it's a good moment where he wants to know what's happening and it's pretty funny uh yeah so you find out that he made it uh it starts to you know starts to crumble all of the systems taking everybody's accounts because it, it defeats king cosma once it transforms yeah. And I like, beats him out of that and then Kenji's little squirrel avatar runs away with it to help him escape and not be taken by it essentially. Uh yeah. Well, what it starts doing is one sending random alerts for senior citizens who have like a life alert button basically. So it starts sending some of those. Uh their GPS goes down so everyone is stuck in traffic cuz they don't know where they're going. <laughs> and then which is kind of funny. Yeah. And then there's also um the water system is getting over flooded in some areas and those are like the main things that are like happening and it sort of causes this huge commotion where no one can go anywhere because they just can't seem to navigate without it which is a great like comment on just how well connected people are to things like i use gps for like everything like whenever yeah. i'm driving around anywhere i know even when you go <laughs> places that you know how to get to well some well i got to say that i use mo- i use it for the most part because of the timing so I want to know, like, how long it's going to take me to get somewhere. Fair. Uh, especially in the morning when I travel to work. But for the most part here in San Diego, I don't know where anything is. So I, like, always have to use GPS to get places. Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... Not to say I couldn't read a map if I had to, because my dad showed me how to do that. A map? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the, the city maps that you can get at, like, the gas station? Yes, I know what a map is. I'm not saying you don't know what a map is. <laughs> I'm telling you specifically which maps. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know this thing that they used to print out? <laughs> it's like when you used to print out MapQuest directions. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember being that GPS so many times. Sitting in the fucking stressful. passenger seat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your fucking parents are like reprimanding you because you didn't tell them fast enough. Right. <laughs> and then you take a wrong turn and then you got to get out the map and yeah. figure out where the street you're trying to get yeah. to is. <laughs> <laughs> i got lucky my dad always knew where he was going so we hardly ever used anything like that um and then if he did he usually gave it to me in the back seat which is awful because i like oh, no. i didn't know where i was going either so i was like i think it's right here he's like is it right here i was like i think and he was like oh it would just freak out every <laughs> time <laughs> well i mostly wanted to play my game boy is why so i was like yeah. why are you giving me a map gosh dad yeah <laughs> Let me play Pokemon right now, Yeah, man. pretty much. Yeah, trying, that was... to, trying to level my Charizard. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I still have that Game Boy. Now I think about it. Hell yeah. But I digress. Uh, the only reason I mention it is because they have so many electronics in here that are reminiscent of like a DS. Uh, I don't even know if the DS was out at that point. 
at 2009, but it was definitely shown in there. Like it looked like the first DS that had come out. And then they also had those flip phones that were also like smartphones. Yeah. They were really good, but they were also just a flip phone. Yeah, so I exactly. didn't know how to feel about it. The DS came out in 2004. Okay. So, yeah, it had been out for a couple of years. I don't know why I didn't think it was out yet. Mm. <laughs> I believe at around this point, after the after King Cosmo's beaten, that's when the uncle Love. reveals that he created Love Machine. Yeah. And he says that he did it to make all of this money for the family so they could return back to their former status. Yeah. And that's when she, he tells that to the grandma. And the grandma pulls a Naginata on him. Oh my god! <laughs> and nearly kills him. <laughs> yeah, and nearly kills him with it. I love that scene so much. Like, I didn't know. I honestly did not know what she was gonna do. Like, there's so much expression she showed in that moment. I was like, is she gonna hug him? Is she gonna slap him? Is I thought she and was then... gonna shoot him with a bow and arrow. Is what I thought. Oh man, <laughs> she straight up goes for it. What what was it called? That's oh, a naginata. Naginata. Yeah. Mm. Uh, cool. Although yeah. it is dull, but it's still something that she knows how to use. Well, like she did not like. Enough. <laughs> just saying yeah she was very confident using it and like knew how to use all of the forms and stuff uh, but it was very dull and uh she's not that strong because she's 90 <laughs> yeah but you you do find out that this family has like a warrior past sort yep. of deal that they had like groups of samurais in their in their midst and yeah, whatnot and they fought against i i can't remember the names of who they did but it was some empire and they stood against them basically so they have a lot of pride in like that part of their family right like i think they said they their family stretched back like 16 generations or at least yes. in that house specifically that they're at it's why they're so well connected right and even the grandmother at some point when the whole Oz system goes down just makes several calls. And several hundred. Yeah. You don't, you, don't, you don't even really, like, you're not fully sure what she's doing. Like, who, yeah. she's just making a whole bunch of calls in this. And then it shows the um, the symbol on her back. Yeah. Which is the little, the little bird, which I imagine is the sigil of the family. Yeah. Right. Well, she's got family in, like, every part of the, of, like, their industry. So mm-hmm. it's, like, everyone who is, like... A paramedic, doctors, people who worked in certain businesses. Even she some just, government officials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She talked to, like, the police chief uh, at some yeah. point or the commissioner. And she was like, I didn't even know, like, she knew that guy. So yeah. she just called up all these people to get – basically to, like, inspire them, give them some hope, and then, like, kind of come together. And she was very upset when people were not doing anything. She was like, well, get off your ass and do something. Yeah, exactly. Way to and go, Granny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she was very right? cool. Right? <laughs> Um, uh, they don't really ever explain what happened to, uh, I think it was their great grandfather at some point, but I don't know if she was ever married or do they say what I, happened? I mean, she must've had some sort of relations right. to make any of the children, of course, <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, they don't really go into that at all. Cause I feel like they're, they're trying to keep the pace of the film going. I think they had mentioned something in the beginning about him going and spending all of their money. Oh, that's right. She, like I think she kicked him out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think she just oh, like yeah. exiled no. him from the family. You guys are definitely right because there is a moment where they do mention that grandpa like took off with like everything and like basically like wasted it all. Yeah. Essentially. So because they're a very wealthy family. At yeah. Some point. I mean, to have a house like they did. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of houses apparently like that that nobody is living in in parts of Japan because they're like old and sort of run down. Yeah. And, like, you can buy them really cheap if you wanted to just go live in the country. Yeah, good fixer up. <laughs> and it would be very much like what you saw in this film. Hit, hit up your Japanese real estate. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and brush uh, up on your Duolingo. 
I mean, at, once she starts calling in favors, you notice that love machine, basically, that symbol flashes inside of Oz. Yeah. Like, it shows it so you can tell that she's going to become a target. Right. Next. And I think that's what he did, is that mm-hmm. he targeted um, the monitor that, oh, I think it was the uncle or I one ha- of her sons had to basically yeah. check if her vitals I hadn't okay. previously thought that that was exactly what he was doing that the reason why he was targeting all of those monitors for the senior citizens was to find hers. Right. And off chance that something might happen to her. And then you would actually kill her in the real world, which is like, that's way darker than I originally thought. But again, it also shows the weight that technology has. Right. Literally somebody's life is in the palm of your hands. Yeah. Devices. Uh, I mean, while I do see that technology is definitely really well integrated into what we're doing now in our society, I don't feel like, in some places, it would be as dramatic. Oh, definitely not. Um, definitely here in the United States, though, because we've oh, we've geez. decided to connect it to everything from our banking to uh, like our own profiles, as well as like in hospitals. Like they run on a lot of technology that gives alerts and things like that. So it's like I could see that really affecting a large like metropolitan area, but not so much in other places. So it's interesting to see that. So from here on she gets targeted the doctor does not get a call that her um, vitals are off essentially and she ends up dying well not before kenji plays one final game with her like the night before plays koi koi with her which i didn't fully understand yeah um and i had to like actually look it up to see what this game was and so all i could find is that it's a popular card game in japan played with hanafuda cards and so the phrase koi koi means come on in Japanese, which is said when the player wants to continue the hand. I like that. Koi koi. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start using that with people. <laughs> the main gist of it is that you accumulate points based on the cards that are there, and they're all worth different values. And then at the end of the, uh, of the hand, you can choose to keep those points or to wager them again in a new match. So it's possible you can lose all of your points or just keep some and only wager a few points. In the case of the film, she wagers like all of the accounts at some point. Right, because she has to win back a few million in a matter yeah. of... <laughs> Not well, Suki like, has to. Yeah. Yeah, it's it shows up later, and it's interesting that the artificial intelligence can't help itself, where it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll play this game, and is taking on that bet of losing like everything, because it really has no concept of that. It just wants to overcome whatever challenge it's presented with. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like if you had just wagered that against a regular villain who was a human, they'd be like, I'm not going to play your game. Like, yeah, I would never, I, I would never wager what I've yeah. got here. But it's like, like King Cosmo's player says, like it likes to play games. I can right. tell, sort of deal. So it's he, you, they use that against it. Basically, the fact that it likes to play games, it likes to fight, it likes to, you know, gamble. Yeah, exactly. Which is essentially how they ended up beating it. Is it right. a good gamble? Well, the well, the grandma wins against Kenji, and then basically forces him to promise to take care of her granddaughter. And he's kind of timid with her in that moment. It's just like, I don't really think that's like something I can do, but like, I'll try. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because she's, they spend a lot of time showing her not liking like average or like weaker men. <laughs> but in this moment, she really likes him and is like, you got to promise me like if I win and she does win. And it also shows that their family's pretty good at this game. Yeah. Like her, the one of, uh, I guess her, her other grandson so her uncle and her are are both really good or all three of them are really good at that game and it's it becomes relevant later in the movie so that was interesting but it was such a like easy-ish card game 
to like kind of figure out once like you went and read what it is because mm-hmm. we were watching it and I didn't know what the heck it was. I'd never heard of this game before. Yeah, uh, but I I imagined it was something similar to like poker, sort of where you gamble yeah. with like more of a points based system. Maybe something like Rummy right. Cube, almost. Maybe which one? Like Rummy Cube? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Something like that. How do they? I think I've only played that like once. <laughs> yeah, a couple times. <laughs> Um, but but then we find out that uh, overnight something happens. Um, I'm guessing maybe a heart attack, a weak heart, yeah. something like that. She, they mentioned exactly what it is. Do you remember? It was, uh, I think it was, I hope I'm not pronouncing this wrong, but angina, angina, something Yeah, like that's that. right. The doctor does say it. Yeah. And he explains that he had a monitor on her, but because of the OS system being down, he wasn't able to notice that. And so she passes, I guess, in her sleep. They don't, she doesn't look like she died really painfully yeah. and she kind of, and they, they realize this and every, like the whole family is there to, uh, kind of figure out that she's died at like five in the morning, really super early. And it's actually really sad. Like this is a really sad part of the film when you're watching it. Oh yeah. yeah. Especially considering the, the fight that she had with her uh, adopted son the night before. Right. Where she basically like threatened to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely it, it's one of the more heart wrenching scenes as well, especially because you have the scene where um, Kenji, Kinky, Kenji, not taking Kenji, are sitting and she just starts crying like like just like bawling like really hard, and it's oh, just right. this really like the music in the background. It sets a really good scene for this like emotion, and you you just feel so bad for them and whatnot. And they made the grandma so likable. Yeah, they really <laughs> did. <laughs> Yeah, they they spent a lot of time making sure that you cared a lot about this character, and then and then pretty much killing them is kind of set off the rest of the family to figure out what's going on. So it's funny because they split the family along gender lines. So the all of the men were very focused in on getting into the game to get their revenge back or to avenge the grandmother, whereas all of the women in the family were focused on just getting funeral arrangements going. For it. And then uh, the random girl who was watching the baseball game the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Love her. Yeah, she yeah. was just sitting in front of the TV the she whole time. She gave no fucks. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, she was like, what? The, the world's ending. Are you sure? Right, yeah. Ball game. She really was like, oh, but like this is happening. Or or somebody comes by and she's like, is it lunchtime? She's like, how did you guess? And it's funny because that was the only time that they were paying attention. But it was, it was such a good analogy for what usually happens when there's big events happening is that we're easily distracted. It's like it's probably no mistake that our current impeachment trial is running right next to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh. So wow. it's like <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. See, I don't give a fuck about sports. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. I don't really care much for sports either, so like I'm not really noticing that the Super Bowl's around, but the people are definitely focused in on the Super Bowl and not really watching the impeachment trial. So it was like this sort of happens a lot where there's these main sporting sporting events that happen. Um, and people pay attention more to that than like a global crisis because yeah. that game kept going. Like they probably got notified at some point right. and they just kept going. Despite this like crazy threat they have, and you just got to complete the game, got to get the title. Well, I get, like at first it seems like the only threat they're going to have is to their information and that they're just going to lose this. They're not going to have control over their systems. But then all of a sudden it's like it like straight up threatens them. With, like, I'm going to drop this on a nuclear site and yeah. set off, like, a really big catastrophic event that's going to change, like, your whole world. And then that's when the movie is like, oh, shit, like, we really need to do something about this. And kind of sets in the new pacing for the movie, which really speeds up. 
Oh yeah, those those last few minutes of the movie were really stressful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, after after the grandma passes away, um a whole bunch of people start showing up to the house. Like the military shows up, the police force shows up, and they all show up with like servers and like, like a like humongous su- computer. Yeah, a big supercomputer essentially. A boat. Yeah, and a boat. <laughs> that was the funniest thing. He just drops it in one of the lakes, like yeah. on the property, and that's like their main power source. That is, was like that, that was. I mean, I guess sorry to interrupt you, but I think that was like Grandma's goodbye gift. Basically, was here's all of these tools for you to use. Right. For this event that's going on. Yeah, it seems that the family members who brought them were really well connected. So they're like, yeah, we're going to bring this satellite that'll or this connector that'll bring um, that connection you need for it. Because they were like sort of in the mountains. So they didn't really have a good like power source. They didn't really have any sort of uh, like a, um, a satellite or not a satellite, an antenna to reach right. out. Plus, they had to have equipment powerful enough to hack into pretty much, like, the entire internet and control it. Because they yeah. used pretty much the entire uh, database of Oz to shut this thing in, or at least try to, until it overheated. Oh, my God. I was uh, so annoyed for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so the computer obviously gets really hot because, you know, that's what computers do. And so they brought in these giant pieces of ice from the boat yeah. and locked it in a room of this computer to uh, keep it cool but you know they also happen to have a dead body in the other room and it's the hottest day of summer and you know what happens when rotting flesh and heat Mm. not a good smell so one of the dudes decided to take the ice and put it around the grandmother to keep her cool which in turn caused the computer to you know malfunction and the ai to break out of its little box that they put it in he's also like one of the goofiest members of the family oh, oh yeah. my god he's, he's a cop yeah he's also he's a cop. <laughs> he is also a cop <laughs> <laughs> he does try arresting kenji at some point but then realizes he can't go anywhere because the gps is down and there's traffic so they just end up going back but then he, that's when he finds out that he wasn't the one who broke into the system it was just one of many people and he got he he didn't break into it because he got one letter wrong at oh, the end right. yeah exactly yeah. yeah and so he was like oh but then he he figures out the code the second time to get into it and so that and the third yeah. time and the fourth time he does it five times i guess but mm-hmm. like i gotta be honest i don't know what he was doing like was he was he just rearranging like the code to figure out how to get in yeah or, like, he, he basically like it was a really strong code that the admins put on it so that nobody could break in and they made it so complex that it would take like a mathematician to figure it out <laughs> And you know our boy Kenji here is uh you Kenji? know yeah exactly <laughs> is is a math nut for sure, and he figures it's a code to solve so he and he loves doing those things right. so he just does it because that's just what he does, and uh, ends up like actually not breaking in getting framed for it right. I think what I liked too was uh, at this moment when they start bringing in all the equipment and start working together, uh, the movie wouldn't have gotten to its conclusion without all of them. So, like, every single person who's, like, involved with that is actually really important. And there was, like, they probably wouldn't have been able to do it without one of those main characters. Like, without King Cosmo, without Kenji, without um, Natsuki, and then all of the other family members who join in to fight as well. Right. So, they really pushed this idea that uh, when there's that crisis, everyone's sort of going to come together to really help their situation. And, like, they do it again at the end when people start, like, giving their uh, avatars or profiles to Netsuki so she can wager against the AI 
I mean that that whole the koi koi game that she plays against uh, Love Machine is super tense like, the whole time. <laughs> she's just all right. I've only got like seventy five yeah. accounts to bet, and that's all the family members like make accounts if they don't have them, and they set them up there ready to be bet. And she starts betting. She starts winning at first. Yeah, she wins a few, like a few hands, and then she loses all of it, and she doesn't have enough to continue. And then it's like one little, like one little tiny white avatar shows up. Yeah, it's a little a German little boy kid. From yeah, Germany. yeah. <laughs> Guten Tag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it like says like, "Here, take my account." And then all the people from around the world show like millions yeah, of them. It's honestly crazy how many times I've seen that happen in movies where yeah. like all hope is lost, and all of a totally. sudden everybody just shows up and is like, "Hey, we're here to save the day." Which is awesome because, you know, that's kind of how it works. Well, I mean, it always works like that. Yeah. I know I've mentioned it a lot before, but it followed very closely to the hero's journey shit. Mm-hmm. And like, this is that moment where it's very dark. The hero looks like they might lose. And then something pushes that hope over the edge. And then it's like a flood of all of the support they get to overcome that challenge. I, I feel like this movie did it really well, though. Did oh, it yeah. really well to where you actually feel everything is going to fail right now. Yep. Oh, yeah. I was honestly not sure. Like, yeah. Right. I, I mean, I, I was wasn't sure after the guessing. grandma died, yeah. too. Yeah. Right. This movie had me second-guessing myself so much. <laughs> and I always feel like when I watch movies, I have it all figured out, you know. But this one, I really yeah. didn't know what to expect. I felt the same way. Yeah. I usually can predict a lot of the movies, and this one was really good at – also making you feel uh, the emotions of the characters as well. It had such a specific mood and tone when they were going through all of it. And like, even though we watched a, we watched a dubbed version of it, uh, it was still really well done. Oh yeah, the, I think the it, voice actors were amazing. I think it was an official one. I think it was like a version they include in addition to the original Japanese voicing that they did. They had a team uh, do it in English, and I think mm-hmm. that's what we ended up watching. And it was still really well done. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it didn't seem cheesy like when you watch an anime and you're like, this is so bad. This is so badly dubbed. Yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't feel that way at all. I would I would agree. The voice acting was really good for the dub, which I've I saw it. I saw originally the like non-dubbed version. Nice. Which was also really good and did a really good job. And then I watched it dubbed as well. And I was like, wow, this is still like really yeah, watchable. Right. Yeah. It was still very watchable. Um, And it ended up being very positive. Like this wasn't a, a an event where like a whole bunch of people fucking died or like they all sort of lose and then it just ends like that. In a sense, they kind of gained a lot from the experience because yeah. you know, um, well, in the end, the dude had to reroute. What was it? Some sort of spaceship? Yeah. So in the final ditch effort, the AI decides that it's going to drop the satellite on their house on the people who challenged him instead of on a nuclear site, and so they they then have to try to redirect it. And they do this by breaking into it. And that's when Kenji does it like four times over to break through the, the password in there. Stressful. And then uh, Rabbit Boy comes in and yeah. kicks the AI's ass for a Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Once they get it open, um, that's when I – mean, and he does it like – like the AI reset, like blocks them out like four times. And um, Kenji's just sitting there rapidly like drawing numbers and like doing math as it's fast as he possibly can. that little scribbly sound that you hear yeah. as he's writing. Mm-hmm. But it was a very, uh, what is it, a Dragon Ball Z moment. Shows up and, like, just the hugest punch you could possibly have. And it just shatters the AI. And it was very cool. Yeah. I even, I liked the design on the rabbit character for King Cosmo as well. He looked like something that was, like, meant to be, like, drawn after, like, an American-style cartoon. Uh, It's interesting because the baseball player, uh, Pete Cosmo, his uniform is actually red, which was the colors of the rabbit, red and white. 
Oh, it has oh, to be him. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. He just looks up to Where his brother. Where is he from, does it say? Uh, he is an American baseball player. Atlanta Braves played in Major League Baseball, St. Louis Cardinals, New York Yankees, Texas Rangers, and the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, yeah. It was totally a character that was made after an American, a famous American baseball player, and it ended up looking like that. So that's cool. Yeah. That they ended up doing something like that. Yeah. Good read, Justine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have never noticed what that. What can I say? Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I bet that that had to be connected in some way. And I'm sure some of the other names are, too, um, yeah. just for some of the, the characters that they used. Mm-hmm. But I really like that every time we see a fisherman in the family, it's always related to squid. They always like to do the fried squid or the whatever. Like I saw it in like a bunch of other anime. They always show them like really excited. And they always have that like rope tied around their head, around their forehead, the white rope. And and that and they're always wearing shorts. They're always very tan. (laughs) You're very tan. They're seamen. One of the the things is like it stresses is sort of like family unity. Totally. As well, which is something the grandma says at a certain point when the – when she basically says, don't forget to have a meal with each other, you know, like love your family, get together sort of deal. Right. And, and they did have that big meal right before yeah, right they were before. about to go take down the AI. Yeah. yeah. They had like They're two like, hours left and they, yeah, they really <laughs> did stop to eat and they were eating like very quickly. Right. But one thing I really liked is that I feel like in a sense, the family regained the wealth that they had lost from their grandfather because... Once they rerouted that uh, spaceship, it struck the side of the mountain and happened to hit a hot spring, a, like a big patch of water under the ground. So, you know, they could make a lot of money off of having a hot spring on their property. I think that's what they were getting at. They pretty definitely. much like struck gold, like quite literally. <laughs> the way it came up out of the ground, the way they cheered is, I, I imagine how it is when you strike oil. Yep. Or gold or something like that. Oh, yeah. It's also sort of a prestige thing to be able to like run a, a, like a a hot springs kind of uh i don't know what to call it it's like kind of, not really a bathhouse onsen there you go that's it <laughs> and so to have one of those you kind of end up having it in your family and then people run it and you're able to get some money off of that if you don't get any money from the contract that that guy made with the u.s government i don't know if oh, they're right. gonna be good yeah. on that <laughs> yeah. well I, mm. I mean earlier on he says look the ussr offered to buy it look grandma <laughs> look grandma <laughs> Yeah, so it was like that was funny because they put aside the fact that like the U.S. government was like, yeah, we'll just fucking throw it in there and test it, and they're like, oh shit, we didn't we didn't expect it to do this, and then of course they were like, it wasn't like it wasn't our fault, we didn't do this, which is very yeah, typical was, government. It was response. this guy; he programmed the thing, so yeah. obviously it's his fault. You right. know, he didn't you know do anything with it; he just sold it to us, and we did the rest. <laughs> but you know, whatever. That's not the point. Yeah, no, it was definitely doing that. They had a very good. A uh, piece of social commentary on how government agencies will usually handle situations like this and then how the community will sort of handle that too so it was very positive it doesn't surprise me that a movie made in japan is going to be all about family and how you have to like even the grandma says at one point that you can't abandon family no matter how much they like how badly they may treat you in some moments and so in her final letter she mentions that she wants that son to come back because he hadn't been there for 10 years but this was obviously written before he shows up. The son who programmed the AI. Yeah, the son yeah. who programmed the AI, the AI. And so she even does. She doesn't even want like an elaborate funeral. She's just like just something small, like close family, and then you guys need to get back to your lives. Like, don't waste too much time. So she was just like an all around, really, really good matriarch for the family. Mm-hmm. Even like after dying, her final letter is still really helpful. Mm-hmm. 
And she went out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> sort of. Brandishing blades at people. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't like a crazy violent scene or like a very traumatic. She just passes in her sleep. And, and that felt better to me for the character than anything else. But it was still tragic because it's like, oh, man, like I thought she was going to live on through the whole movie. But there's always that one person that sort of has to die. And it yeah. doesn't surprise me that it's an older um, person in the family because it's just like other stories where the older matriarch will die. It reminded me of Moana. The grandmother passes oh, in that movie yeah. and it's like really fucking sad. But, but it sets cool. off a lot of stuff. It's cool though because you can see how her legacy made such a big effort. Like all of the connections, all the lives that she had met, even like some of the relationships that weren't so great, she still managed to like go back and look upon all of those and bring them into action when it was needed most. When the yeah. world needed it, you know. And it's really cool that they kind of, it was like a, she was giving herself her own, like, testimony in a sense. Oh, yeah. You she know? gave her own eulogy. Yeah. Well, at least to them, yeah. not to, like, everybody. Because uh, the mom read it out loud to everybody. Although it did go into her voice, so that we heard it in well, the Well, like, not even voice. that, but, like, her effort. Oh, her gotcha. contacting everybody was, in a sense, like, a greater showing of who she was as a oh, person. Oh, yeah, totally. All of the people she'd met, you know. Uh, what other larger ideas do you think they the film dealt with in addition to what we've mentioned? I guess you could you could reframe it as sort of like a you know be cautious with technology and how much weight you press upon it, which we've covered a lot so far. But I feel like that's like one of the big like one of the big outstanding messages that they focus on a lot, and they just analyze that point. I feel what I got from the movie is the importance of the individual amongst the collectivist society because you know in the end when the the ai had collected all of those profiles they were all individual profiles and you know just one profile isn't going to make too much of a difference but altogether it made a huge difference but also on the flip side all of those people joined together to fight you know the greater good and it worked out you know and it really just took one person to kind of inspire everything else to go along with it so uh, cause and effect it's like a chain reaction you know it just takes a spark to set off the explosion it's usually how it goes with storytelling that involves like people trying to get hope in a very dire situation but in a different way it was kind of my only critique of the movie was that it was uh to me a little bit overtly po like very positive whereas like i don't feel people would come together like that but i think that's just because of what situation we're living in currently in the united states <laughs> not so much outside of the United States because the French are doing what the fuck they need to do to get their shit going. Viva la revolution! They're like pulling out a guillotine like every other week to be like, we need to get something settled. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, there's like videos now of like the firefighters fighting against police in yeah. France right now. Yeah, too. Love it. that's crazy. They like lit themselves on fire and started attacking police officers. Oh, shit. Yeah, like what the fuck? <laughs> literal firefighters yeah exactly <laughs> yeah which is crazy to hear about so yeah so i think maybe it's me being just a little bit more cynical about what's going on because we are <laughs> not in a good moment in the united states as it stands currently yeah and that's totally understandable but i feel like this movie is sort of like a call to shift your perspective you know right because as long as you stay in the mindset of nothing's gonna get better i mean Nothing will get better. You're not giving it mm. uh, the fuel to really manifest. I got really strong True. Star Trek vibes off of it where it's just <laughs> like, because that, that's usually what happens in most Star Trek things is that like through their unity, they ended up working much better and overcome whatever's going on with like the main thing they do is like Starfleet. 
is like the main thing that everyone joins together to fight against whatever in most cases is the klingon but i'm sure there's other villains that show up throughout the series is there any other moments you wanted to mention that like stood out to you or that you have any final thoughts about the film itself because it is sort of like a standalone thing there's not really gonna be anything else for it just go watch it it's very entertaining and you'll you'll get some good feels you'll get some sad feels it's 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 well-rounded it's really like a movie that has a lot of emotional ties to it there's there's You'll feel so much watching this movie. All of the different types of feels. Oh, yeah. I almost cried multiple times. Ditto. I've cried enough today. I was trying my best not to. (laughs) (laughs) It's just because they did a really good job of getting the emotions across to the audience. And that's one of the better things, I think, that you... Like, if you watch anime already, you kind of get that gist. Where it's like, they usually do a really good job of making you feel something. It's like, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Have you seen the, the My Hero Academia shit? No. Like every other episode, I just want to cry because it's like, it's super inspiring. We, yeah. Oh, man. Totally. We just got Hulu. So we're about to watch like so much shit on no, there. You got access to my Hulu. That's what I'm saying. We got Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> what who do you mean? <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's always been a strong part of that kind of storytelling. And it works out really well because you end up really feeling for these characters and you enjoy the storytelling that way. And so it works out better in some ways, I think, than what you would get here in the United States with some of the films, Um, especially because they don't really I feel like in the United States, we don't take animation all that serious. It's usually like for kids, with the exception of like a few people, kind of like Tartakovsky, who made like Samurai Jack and that new show I think he made. Was it brutal? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, It's not called Primal. Primal. It's called Primal. I still need to watch that. I need to watch it as well. Yeah. And uh, other than that, like, they, we really don't have, like, that sort of storytelling in uh, an animated form like you do outside of the United States. So it's cool to see a film like this. And it's a feature-length film. Like, it's two hours, basically. Yeah. I mean, even uh, – I mean, Miyazaki himself has, like, made a lot of critiques on anime and a lot of the tropes that follow with that, which yeah. is why a lot of anime comes off as super cheesy yeah. or something along those lines or not as serious. And like one of his big critiques, which I've probably said this before, but I'll say it again. And he basically said that a lot of people that make anime don't interact with people normally. So they don't know how to write people. <laughs> That's like fair. Make actual characters. Right. They're all these larger than life fantasy characters yeah. super blown up egos super mm-hmm. blown up skills yeah and when in rea- when in reality people aren't all like that and so this movie did a very good job of making like believable human characters yeah that was definitely something i liked even in the way that the the characters were drawn they looked very real like they weren't wearing these cool interesting intricate outfits very they were normal clothes wearing like you know your standard t-shirts he had a datsun t-shirt yeah. which is great <laughs> a couple american brands yeah some, definitely like, the american brand some sports jerseys i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure the one aunt that was watching the baseball game was wearing like a baseball jersey yes, the whole time she was but that's that's true there was a lot of uh, attention to detail as far as like these are just everyday people and it also wanted to i think explain their sort of situation as far as their finances go they weren't like the richest family anymore but they definitely had some prestige because of how well connected they are and how old the family is and so they were able to show that through what you were looking at as far as their clothes goes but they all had like business jobs 
they were like the working class basically i don't think anyone there had like a really high-end job they were like working in the water plant they're working as paramedics they're like working in certain uh areas of government so i think one of the guys worked for like secret service i guess and he's like couldn't tell anybody what his job was right some sort of military technology mm-hmm. uh intelligence i don't know he did a lot apparently yeah he got no. access to all this equipment somehow yeah very good definitely go watch it and then to me i feel like this has a lot of rewatchability so i would go back and watch it again um especially because it's really inspiring so it's definitely something that you'll enjoy if you've enjoyed other animated films uh so i would say i recommend it definitely go watch it absolutely <laughs> absolutely recommend it it's great, a yes great from film. me <laughs> yep. um yeah i think we've gotten pretty much to the end there of all of it and i think that was like kind of all of our final thoughts you guys got anything else? No. All right. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> you started. You were like, oh. Um, all right, then, before I let everybody go, I just want to remind everyone we're super easy to find. We're on all the streaming services, so we're on Apple Podcasts, as well as Spotify, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. We are also on Stitcher and um, CastBox. You can find all of our social medias on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's under B-D-T-G-H underscore podcast. And on the Instagram, we actually have a link to our website where you can listen to the episodes on the site. So if you don't want to go to any of the other streaming sites, you can actually listen straight from that website. And if you could, please leave us a um, review on the Apple Podcast. helps us get our ratings up and we're able to be seen more easily on the website. So thanks, guys, for coming out to talk with me about this. I hope everyone has a good night. I'm Mitch. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you.